Welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official English source for all things Olympiakos FC and Greek football. The first day of training is when I realized, oh, this is why they win the league every year. When I, I spoke with Kevin, if I'm going to sign or no for Olympiakos, I said, you're a pretty good deal, like my friend. I can't speak, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's happening, everyone? Thank you for joining us for a late night edition live show, Gate 7 International. Sorry for, especially for the Greeks that are in here. We know it's late. These Monday night games are always difficult. It's always late. It's always late. <laughs> it's always late. <laughs> With the work schedules, it's tough for us to get on earlier for these. Uh, but thank you, guys. Everyone that's here, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining us. Uh, huge win today. We're going to get into it. And, of course, uh, but before we get started, guys, if you haven't done so already, don't forget to like and subscribe. All of these engagements, whether you're making comments, whether you're liking, even the people that are following, all of this helps us continue to grow the red and white community. We still get half of our episode views every time. Almost half or just over half are not current subscribers to the show. So if you're checking in, you like what you hear, you like the analysis, you like hanging out with everybody else that's in the community, Hit that subscribe button, like the episodes when you see it. It's really quick, costs you nothing, but it really helps us continue to grow and expand the network of red and white fans all over the world. So don't forget to do that and help us continue to grow the mission that is Olympiacos. As always, a quick message from our and sponsors. Before, and before we start, before we start, to my right or left is Gate 7 International star host, the numbers guy, one of the best statisticians you will find on youtube uh one of the brightest minds in the olympiacos community aris bulubasis and i of course i'm costas lenos <laughs> i appreciate that costa thank you so much and uh a quick message from our sponsors uh uh if you are shipping anything in and out of Greece, whether it's from the United States to Australia, from Australia to Greece, you name it, our friends at Piraeus International can help you. Check out their website, www.piraeusintl.com. Give them a call, 410-675-4696 for all of your international transshipping needs. And of course, as always, guys, next week we've got Champions League coming back up. We're going to be getting aggressive with the sports betting again. Uh, you guys can follow along, make some bets with us, or at the very least, if you're not going to bet with us on BetUS.com, you can always bet alongside us on your preferred betting platform. But I do have to tell you, the odds that BetUS does are fantastic. We've talked about it many times before, and we'll continue to show you guys. They have very aggressive odds, very, very interesting and entertaining for those of us that like to do sports betting. And as always, they give us a special promo code. You can use the promo code GATE7INTL. That's in all capitals, GATE7INTL. And you can get yourself a 125% deposit boost. So check it out, betus.com.pa. And let us know. Follow along with us, and you can even bet with us. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into it. We're going to get into some post-match here. Everybody's already been checking in. The chat's actually been popping off since about a half hour ago. Crazy. 
uh, Manos coming in. Uh, Manos, we know it's late. We uh, thank you for for tuning in. Um, Vagulas as well. Thank you guys. TF91 with a newborn. Trust me, my friend. I know exactly how you feel with the sleep <laughs> disruption. Uh, TF91 here saying, hey, guys, unfortunately, I won't be able to watch the whole show as I need to wake up in six hours. And with a newborn, my sleep will be disrupted anyway. I can't wait to listen to it on my way to work. Yeah, buddy. Been there. Done that, and I'll be doing that again with number two on the way. So, uh, what? best what? of what? luck. Uh, you knew this already. I haven't. No, uh, I didn't. My... No, I fucking didn't, dude. Congrats. <laughs> Thank you. My wife's due next end of next month. I could have swore we talked about this. Dude, what? Eight months? She's eight months in. Yeah. Well, not yeah. Actually, yeah. What the hell, you guys? You don't check what into the, the group chat enough. <laughs> Dude, you write like 200 messages a day. I can't read everything, and I work like a goddamn dog. <laughs> anyway, man, congrats, Adi. Congrats, TF91. Congrats to both of you. Uh, all the best. And everyone's already asking about the games. Uh, we have Theo, NE43DC Comics, whatever, however you say that. James play good or no? Yes, he played very well. And man of uh, the match. We'll get to man this of later. the match performance. We'll get to that, of course. But Costa, take us away, man. Give us your early thoughts on the match. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the headline in this is exactly what the doctor ordered after the uh the Ike uh the, the Ike embarrassment. Uh am I afraid this is a quick fix? Well, yes and no, but let's take it from the top, really. I mean this was a big game. This was a big win for Olympiakos against Panetolikos at the Kareskaki. 6-1 victory, exactly what the, what the doctor ordered. Uh, Olympiakos manager Mitzel opted for what appears to be something between a 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1, or 4-2-2-2. Alexandros Pasalakis in goal, Rodine at right back, Sokratis Papastathopoulos with Panos Retsos at centre back, as uh, Andreas Doi was not part of the plans for tactical reasons, some journalists uh, argue. And Ramon making his uh, first start for Olympiakos at left back ahead of Ole Kreabchuk. And then when it, that's when it starts to become a little tricky. And Yanem Vila and Juan Guinbom in midfield. And I guess Gary Rodriguez on the right wing. Maybe Costas Fortunis on the left. James Rodriguez behind Bakambu. Cedric Bakambu who spearheaded the attack. Not sure exactly what the system was there. Um, as for Panetolikos, Yanis uh, Anastasiu's uh, lineup was a, a much more straightforward. A 4-3-3 formation with Kodoyanis in goal. Llavas uh, at right back, Hatsi Theodoridis at left back. Hukumis and Larson at center back. Then we had former Olympiacos player Kolovos with Mladen and Diaz in midfield. And then Morse, Duarte and Carelis uh, spearheading the attack. Before kickoff, both sets of players paid tribute to all 21 fans that tragically died in the Thiraifta disaster on February 8, 1981. A very emotional uh, and a very touching moment for both fans. A tragedy uh, with tr- with a tr- that brought a trauma that hit, still hasn't healed. Still no answers as to why this happened. Uh, we never want to see this again. The greatest tragedy in football history. Adelphia Zites is Masodigite. Also a nice tribute to the victims of the devastating earthquake in Turkey and Syria before the match. As we hear the death toll has risen to over 33,000 in both countries. A lovely banner from the Olympiacos fans paying tribute uh, to the uh, to the lost souls in Turkey and Syria. 
Now, when it comes to the game, it was a brilliant start for Olympiacos with Rodinei setting up uh, Bakambu, the stunning cross from the right, and the striker beating Vagelis Kodoyanis with a beautiful finish after only nine minutes. A wonderful cross by Rodinei. When was the last time we saw a, a right-back at Olympiacos uh, perf- uh, performing a, a cross like that since Omar El Abdelawi? Then after 32 minutes, there was a debatable call with Frederico Duarte initially stepping on Huang's foot. Uh after he delivered a beautiful pass from the left that should have been a yellow card at least that found Fortunis who was fouled by Jorge Diaz from behind it didn't look like a penalty but instead of it looked like a foul just outside the box that was also a potential yellow card but the referee gave a corner kick now in 45 minutes Fortunis delivered a wonderful a wonderful free kick and Papastathopoulos beat Kodoyanis with a thunderous head with a thunderous header. Now we got a, a fun stat there from Vasilis Kostadopoulos from Nova. From the 2011 to 2012 season until today, Papastathopoulos has scored at least one goal per season with several teams. That is Werder Bremen, Borussia Dortmund, Arsenal and Olympiacos. One goal per season since the 2011-2012 season. That's one goal every 10 years. Pretty impressive if you consider that Papastathopoulos is a centre-back. Uh, things got stressful on 50 minutes later on when Panetolikos got on the scoreboard after Dimitris Kolovos from the left set Nikos Karelis with a low cross at the far post following some shocking defending once more from Olympiacos. And after what we saw at Ike, uh everyone, we all got a little uh, stressed uh, thinking that maybe this could be another... Um, Another uh, another flop, but after fifty seven and after fifty seven minutes, things got even worse when Rezos hobbled off with another injury and was replaced by Usainu Ba. But Olbiakos put everyone's fears at ease on sixty one minutes when Fortunis produced another assist with a with a pinpoint corner kick from the right that saw James jumping higher than everyone else and scoring with a thunderous header. On 67 minutes, Ramon produced a beautiful cross from the left and found James at the far post, who in, ter- in turn set Sergi Canos up to score his first goal at Olympiacos with a smart, brave finish. Of course, that was Canos's first game, first goal for Olympiacos. Uh, that is after a few days after his mother suddenly uh, passed away, and he paid tribute to his mother with a wonderful shirt that said "Te amo, mamá." All of Olympiacos' team, Olympiacos teammates, uh, hugged him. It was a very emotional moment. A special match for uh, for Canos, uh, no doubt. Who later won a penalty on 74 minutes, with Kamis then beating Kodoyanis for his second goal for, of the match after 75 minutes from the spot. And then finally, Mathieu Valbuena put the cherry on top with a fantastic long-range shot that hit Kodoyanis's bottom right corner. Now, Ari, uh, I'm sure you have a lot of things to say. How do you analyze this win? What did you? Uh, how did you see Olympiacos perform in this game? So, naturally, I'm happy. Of course, it's Panatolikos, and I would love to see. I... <laughs> <laughs> not just me. Not just me. <laughs> um, for the for the listeners, Manos G7 uh, coming in one with his congrats for for my for my number two uh, son number two. We do know the gender of the baby. I don't do the. I don't wait for the gender reveal parties for that, but uh, Mano, thank you so much for the well wishes, buddy. And yeah, yeah, it wasn't just Costa. See, if Costa, uh, there's a lot that goes on in the group chat. Like, I mean, probably thousands of messages go through a day, so it's easy to miss, to miss, I guess. But more going back to the game, there there was a lot of stuff here. Uh, you know, at the beginning of the game, 
it was kind of funny because um, Martial for that first half kind of like predicted some things that would happen. One of the first things he goes, Gary Rodriguez in the lineup, he's going to end up getting hurt this game. <laughs> he goes, I wouldn't be surprised if the same happened to Retzos as well, or something happens and, and Retzos maybe uh, is at fault for a goal that happens. And we'll get into that later. Uh, the the game went about about how I e- expected. To be honest with you, I expected us to be the dominant for. I didn't expect six one. I but I expected something along the lines of two or three nothing. And there were opportunities, plenty of opportunities. I saw a lot of comments before we scored our first goal about the pace of play being a little bit. Um, not I don't want to say half measure, but not full court press. The tempo was a little bit slower. And in games like this, when we are the clear dominant force in possession, when we're the it's okay. I don't mind that so much. We have to break open teams like this anyway that pack the box in. I would like to see things more up tempo, but I, I didn't expect anything faster or quicker. And we saw a lot of great things today. Uh, I mean, Hamas Rodriguez was peppering the ball all over the place. It was actually nice to see him and Costas Fortunis kind of. Uh, Costa was coming in a lot on the left side, and he was he was moving, cutting in, making a lot of those runs and playing the ball sometimes from behind the striker position. We're going to touch on this formation uh, also because I didn't talk about it on the last show because I wasn't sure if it was something for the cup, but we've now seen the 4 2 2 2 uh, a variation of the four four two used in multiple games in a row. Uh, our you know our co our lovely co-host Gosalevo Yanis is here. He's enjoying from behind the scenes, taking the day off. You know it is it is technically I guess Valentine's Day where he is from, so he he needs to take the day focus on the misses. Uh, I know how that is, but uh, the four two two is sticking around. Four two 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 is sticking around. And it's a very interesting proposition. We can touch on that more later. But I was very happy with the performances of uh, Cosas Fortunis, who made an appearance in the team after we posted some very interesting statistics on socials. Not going to say we're the reason for that, but uh, very interesting how sometimes we put some big stats up there and then all of a sudden the team starts to pivot direction. Maybe they are listening, maybe they're not, who knows. But uh, I was happy with his performance. He ended up with two assists on the day with two pinpoint um uh, two pinpoint balls from uh, from a direct free kick position. Um, a comment here from uh, Manos G7 about Oleg. Uh, I don't even care how Ramon played. I was glad Oleg didn't play. Unfortunately, we have to kidnap him in order not to start every game. Ramon, on paper, he probably didn't lead to much in end product, but uh, I loved how he got forward. I told you guys there's building blocks there, uh, his aggression, his speed. A willingness to get forward that are valuable and I think will be valuable at the very least in Greece. But I think that uh, we're not going to see a lot of production out of him this season. He's again, I believe he's a project. He'll be that we'll see more next season. He's not instant impact like Rodinay. Rodinay, who again had a wonderful game uh, playing that ball into Bakambu for the first goal. I mean, Rodinay has just been a revelation, which is hilarious, by the way, because I swear when I check Sofa score, um, I don't pull much from SofaScore, to be perfectly honest with you. But when I look, they always have Rodine as one of the lowest rated players of each game. and But that's understandable because, because if you're not watching the game and you're just basing it off of things like, oh, okay, activity, activity challenging the ball, ground those things like that. All right, maybe it's not great on paper. Or even his pass accuracy isn't on paper. But if you're not watching the game to see that this is the guy taking the risks, he's the one getting downfield with the ball. You know what I mean? 
you're, you then you have no oh I no idea of how positive a player this guy actually is. So uh, very just very great stuff. And then of course I, I already brought up before James Rodriguez. Today was a different game. Um, you know we brought we put up those stats. Also, if you guys should check them out on our socials, we put up some great great stats showing data from players, but then comparing them as a percentile as a reference to everybody else in the league. And James Rodriguez is by far the best attacking mid winger that exists in Greece. Uh, yeah. As far as a player that has played, you know, over 800 minutes, at least Costas Fortunis hasn't, but even then, you know, Costa has some better end product stats, goal creation stats than James, but James has better build up overall. So incredible stuff, incredible stuff. I was very happy with what I saw. I'm very curious about the 4-2-2-2. We still have some questions defensively, um, as you guys saw. Uh, and I think that's something we can discuss then. But I was very happy with the performance. But I'm not going to go ahead and say this is going to turn things around for the Derbies because we've seen that this team since the restart can play very well now against the small teams and the medium, we'll say the mid, the mid-tier teams. We can now beat them relatively comfortably versus in the beginning of the season. But we, uh, we have to see us actually win the Derbies for me to believe that this team can actually turn the corner. Well, I mean, first of all, I got to ask our dear friend Manos, what does he mean when he say, when did Eminem become a sportscaster? I am not sure I get that right here. Uh, we don't have bleached blonde hair and we're not much of, uh, we didn't, we're not much of a rhyming duo here. But anywho, uh, well, what I really liked about this game is that, is what Mathieu Valbuena said after the game, it was what he said in his post-match interview that we were furious is what he said. And they wanted to let their uh, the, the, to, to let their frustrations out, which is what they did, and that's exactly what I wanted to see after that embarrassing and humiliating and disgraceful result against Ike. I loved what I saw. That's exactly what the, uh, the what the doctor ordered. But I'm not sure if this is a quick fix once more, because uh, it's one thing to beat the small teams, another thing to beat to win the derbies, and we're still in February, we're mid-February, still zero victories in all the big match situations except Aris. Um, uh, I liked what I saw considering that there was no PPL who I, I've heard he had a knock. I've heard that uh, uh, it's, a, it's a fitness issue where we're going to see. Another thing I really liked, which uh, I don't see, I don't think we've seen much this season. Finally, Olympiakos capitalizing on a rival's uh, poor result. Pauk practically committed suicide at Asteras Tripolis by drawing 2-2, by giving away a two-goal two lead, by conceding two goals uh, within four minutes during stoppage time at, against Asteras. And finally, Olympiacos capitalized on that, and they are in third place. And if Aik beat Pauk in a, in next week, then Olympiacos uh, will be uh what is this uh nine points that's they're, they're gonna be five points ahead of Pauk. that's quite a safe uh distance heading to the playoffs so playing because are playing at Lamia in their next game gotta capitalize on that finally we saw that finally some metal in this whole thing but still like I'm struggling at it personally I'm struggling to feel convinced. I'm struggling to feel confident heading uh, to um, the next big games. There's Panathinaikos after Lamia. Uh, the cup, the cup, I still think is a lost cause. 
uh, best case scenario, we're looking at second place. But like we said, Ari, I mean, and, and we've kind of agreed, like we're double teaming these only fans of Olympiacos actually managed to make top two this season based on Listen. what we've seen so far. Listen, Costa, I, I, I was kind of half joking about it, but we did have people jump in the DMs asking about the OnlyFans channel right away. Somebody asked for a feet pick. I don't know if that was a – it was on a, tr- a throwaway account, so it was probably a troll, but hey. I, I'll, You know what? I'll stand by what I said. I'm not – I'm no bitch, as it were. You know, the only question I'll be asking if it happens is – do you do you want them shaved or not shaved? That's it. I'm a Greek man. <laughs> there. But look, I, I I don't want the win to get to anybody's head, of course, because you know we've seen that this team has done well against the the lower teams. We've done we've done some good things. We've made improvements there. There's a comment here, Manos G7 body fans. <laughs> nice. But there's a comment here from. Um, from Aris Galamatis that uh, kind I can kind of um, relate to here. We can win with weaker teams now. What an improvement. And, and this is an understandable, like even though we got a great win today, this is an understandable frustration and gripe. It's because winning against these teams, yeah, it has to be done in order for us to be in the title fight. But for us to win it and get close to winning or getting in second place, we're going to have to beat a derby. We're going to have to win a derby. And that is the problem so it was a good win and we should all feel good about the win but in the grand scheme of things we all very much need to have a level head and realize that hey you know what i mean it doesn't mean much if we're not going to be able to carry this 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 what we saw here which actually we saw some great team ball too not just individualism there was still individualism involved but some great team ball and carrying this into these derbies uh, comment here from Johnny Summer. Thelma proponiti que pechtes pedia. Yeah, we want to we want to coach and players, guys. Y- listen, here here's the thing. We kind of talked about it the last show. Um, I know that there was a lot. We did we did a poll on Instagram. We had a lot of engagement on Twitter for this. By far and away, sixty five percent of you agreed that we should keep the coach until the end of the season and move on after that but on twitter it was a much larger population that wanted the coach gone after the loss and here's what we have to remember and i i understand why you want the coach gone but if the the coach having the coach leave there is no new coach that's going to get us where where we where we want to be we should say right where the ego wants us to be if you are going to bring another coach and expect that all of a sudden we're going to win all the derbies it's with what with the players and the resources at our disposal i don't think that's going to happen so you have to decide one of two things do we just see where we go and hopefully hopefully michelle gets it together learns from mistakes rather than keeps making the same ones and maybe get a a a third or second place finish and then rebuilds to over the summer or do we accept that we're not getting a top two finish. We're going to probably finish in fourth or third, fourth or fifth and bring a new coach in and start the rebuild from now. Because if that's the option, then you have to pick the coach at the rebuild. You're going to have the, you don't bring Lemony, you know, for the sixth, seventh, whatever time it is. You know what, what about I mean? him? <laughs> but to be fair, like when it comes to the to, ma- to, to the manager, Olympiacos have been terribly toothless in their derbies. Like 
they come in. I'm not going to say they don't want it, but they're not showing it. It doesn't feel like there's no sense of urgency. There's no sense right. like this is do or die. There's no confidence as well. It seems like they're off their element. And I got to say with Mitzel's coaching, do, uh, all three players that committed the mistakes that led to Ike's goals, Marius Vrusai, Andreas Doi, Diadiesa Maseku, Vrusai and Doi, were left out of the team for tactical reasons. Samaseku didn't come off the bench. Instead, it was Paitin Kasami, who has been quite uh, underwhelming. And we haven't seen Avila since Leoforos, have we? We haven't seen Avila since then. So it seems He's like gone. Mitchell... Yeah. Is he gone? Is he gone now? Yeah, he signed, man. He's He, he was announced for, by okay, the Bulgarian yeah, but, team. But, but even after he left, after, after that Leoforos game, he didn't play again, did he? No. So, I no, mean, after Ike, Ike, he did. After after Panathinaikos, he played against Ike and then didn't do well against Ike either. Then he was out. Yeah, but there does seem to be a bit of a, a culture of, well, you know, if you don't play well for me, I'll let you know about it. Not the sense of, you know, don't worry about it. You'll, you know, shake it off, you know, next game now. No, no you know, short-term memory, like a lot of people say. Right. I'm not sure about the coaching right now. I'm not sure Mitzel is the kind of guy who's going to, push Olympiacos to the next level, get the most out of the players. If there was a chance of bringing a quality manager in just to save whatever is left saving, because I'm going to be honest, guys, Olympiacos are not winning the league, are not winning the cup. Second place is a stretch, but maybe the fifth place is not happening, but maybe it'd be best to avoid total humiliation and not finishing fourth. So if there was a chance of bringing a manager, and I'm going to throw a name right there, maybe Chris Coleman. I'm just throwing a name there that will just make sure there's not going to be total humiliation, maybe finish third, worst-case scenario. I'm down for that because I don't see how Libyakos can win a derby with Mitzel unless it's towards the end and I have sealed the title and are playing their seconds or something like this. I, I, I don't know. What do you think? I I, I, I do see what I, – I get exactly what you're saying because I, I, I agree with you. I don't think – Michel is – seems to be good sometimes about making adjustments, but then he's also equally as bad at overthinking himself and seeming like he has no, no idea about how to handle certain situations with certain games, with some brain fart decisions when it comes to certain players and certain substitutions, times for substitutions. That's a tough one, but you, you did bring up Doy, and there was something I wanted to touch on with, uh, with Doy because we, you know, he had a bad game against Ike. I'm not, I, I don't want to defend the bad game. He did have a poor game and I'm not going to deny that. But I see a lot of people, you know, saying, oh, Doi's not, he, he's not a player. He should never be playing. Um, he shouldn't be playing for Libyakos. He's not good enough. Doi is not the problem. And I hope you guys saw that today because Doi wasn't on the pitch today and we ate a stupid goal too. So it's, it's not. First of all, he's been playing center back for four months, Costa, since he first since he first made the the jump. Mm -hmm. Four months. This guy's been playing center back, and you guys want to blame him now? He's been burnt out. This is this is Agibu Kamara treatment, man. Um, the bigger problem, I don't know. One of the big problems for me in that Ike game, uh, I had more of an issue with the Vrusai appointment. Doi's been playing well. He's not a real center back. He's still learning on the go. He has Socrates next to them, who's past his prime. I'm not putting the blame on Ndoy there. And Costa, 
real quick. Uh, we got another one. Uh, do you want to handle this one? Your yeah, turn. I mean, listen, I mean, Johnny Summer, I mean, thank you so much for joining us. First of all, like you've been um, you've been pitching in a lot of uh, a lot of comments, which we really appreciate. A lot of interesting points here. Uh, the thing is, this place, this this podcast called Gate Seven International. Uh, we have two people, two Greeks, two Greek Americans. We have a Greek, uh, a, uh, an Anglo Brit. We have a French person, and we have me, who is a Greek. And this podcast is for every Olympiakos fan around the world, and there are many fans around the world. We are being watched from fans in every single continent in the world, bar Antarctica, for all I know. I don't know if there's someone in an igloo in uh, the North Pole watching Gate 7 International right now. And Ari, how many countries is that? It's over 100. How many exactly? Uh, it was 90. We had over 90 countries that we were tuned into. Over it's 90 okay. countries. It's okay. It's okay. You can do it. Actually, I'm not going to do it because I don't have to because this is um, this is for everyone in the world. It's not just for Johnny Summer or the Greeks. It's for everyone. Uh, Johnny, I hope you stay with us. I hope you're going to keep following us in this exciting journey as we keep getting bigger and more global. Uh, I'm sorry, but we're not going to talk Greek here. It's going to be English. Uh, if you stay around, I'm going to be very happy. If you go, then, you know, too bad. I uh, thank you for the comment, but we're going to continue speaking in English. We do have, uh, Johnny, we do have episodes that are done in Greek. If you want to check out the Nicopolidi interview, if you want to check out the Luciano interview, those are all done in Greek. The interview also with uh, Vernikos is in Greek. Yeah. Um, English, uh, actually. That's oh, actually, English. it is in English. Oh, that one God. is in what English. So we have two Greek. I, I, there's a third. What am I missing? There, we have three things done in Greek, I thought. Anyway, uh, it'll come back to me. Lidish, Luciano, and uh, someone We're else. missing one. There, I, I swear to God, there's a. Th anyway, point is, we, we do have content that's in Greek. We, we do speak Greek. And if you come on the show and we open the lines and you don't speak English, you speak Greek, we'll speak to you in Greek. We have no problem doing that. Yeah, we could do uh, that as well. You know, that's, that's never, it's never a problem for us, but this is for the Greeks in the diaspora and not just I the Greeks score, also yeah. for the Olympiakos fans. There's so many Olympiakos fans that don't speak Greek, whether they're Greek Americans, whether they're non-Greeks who just follow Olympiakos. I don't know if you look up further up in the comments, you're going to see some non-Greeks that are in this chat too. That's the important part about this channel is because it's connecting Greek fans outside of Greece. So that's, that's uh sorry for the segue guys, but, uh, we always and get one last one thing, it's not just two people watching the show. Our videos get thousands and thousands of views on a regular basis. Like I said, man, Olympiakos fans around the world, there's many of them. The diaspora is huge. Uh, guys, please uh, be nice on the comment section with everyone. And now uh, I think we got a lot of stuff to do to, to, to analyze still in the match, don't we, Adi? Yes. So there, there. Well, what is your take on the Doi situation? Like, do you? The do you think it's just the knee-jerk reactions to to the people we're having because of the result and maybe Doy was just a target for them? But I mean, I for me it, it's inexcusable if all of a sudden we just exile Doy to the bench from here. I'm hoping this was more of just a rest thing. Let him, you know, give him a little bit of a rest and he comes back for Lamia because for me it's gonna be unforgivable if we just relegate Doy into exile like we did with Cisse or Ba. 
because maybe he didn't play well for one game. I don't. I think that's unacceptable. I think he's going to be a great player, a player that we can build with, not a natural defender, but has taken the charge of being a defender quite well, I think, this season. He got exposed against Ike, but I don't think it's necessarily his fault because, again, I brought this up earlier. How many times has Socrates messed up in, in his man marking, leaving people on? Uh, look at what happened in the goal today. It was a, a comedy, a comedy of errors. You know what I mean? From not just not just Retzos, but Socrates as well, who should have been, who should, one of those two should have been able to pick up that ball as it was played across. I know people are blaming Jan and Vila for, for picking up the man that Ramon left behind. Um, but Envila uh, is the one reacting there. I, I Maybe he could have done better closing that down. But anyway, uh, what is your take on the whole Doi situation? Well, I don't think he's going he's, he's, he's gonna to throw him to the wolves. But uh, it is strange that when we see players committing serious mistakes during games, it seems like uh, the week later there is we don't see much of them from the uh, later on like papa busi said was uh we lost him after his mistake against against karabakh didn't we that was when that, that that was when we stopped seeing him on a regular basis i mentioned davila i mentioned samaseku was on the bench i mentioned vrusai was uh, not included there does seem to be a weird culture when it comes to mistakes instead of you know pat on the back you know short term memory uh, I, I made my feelings known about Mitzel many times on this uh, on this podcast. Like his first stint was very successful, the second stint not so much. Definitely not the manager to go forward with, no matter what, ha- no matter how the season ends, and no matter if he ends up, uh, if he stays at Olympiacos until May. I feel like that could be a lot of reasons why Doi is out. But what we know officially is tactical reasons. That's what we know. I think we're definitely not going to see him being exiled like other players like Papa Busise, Hussein Uba, and others before. I mean, we mentioned Davila, Vrusayo just now, Samaseku just now. We're going to see more of him. We're going to see Adlamir. We're going to see him against Panathinaikos. Uh, and when it comes to Mitzel, one last little point. I feel like Panathinaikos is the game where he's gonna, it's gonna be his last chance. That's his do or die. Like either you beat Panathinaikos or who knows, maybe he's gone, even with a draw. Maybe he's gone. This but, is an interesting. Oh, yeah, go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no I was done. No, oh, okay. I was done actually. Yeah, this is, I want you to comment on this because this I think is a very interesting question for Roman Smirnidis. Do you think the fact that Doi became our starter is some form of punishment for Cisse and Ba? Or do you think the coach thinks he is a better overall player? Well, I mean, Mitzel is the kind of player that's he's very hard to analyze. Uh, he started with uh, he started with a bit of a four-two-three-one with those three tens behind Bakambu. Now it is switched into a four-three-three that turns her into a four-two-two, four-two-two-two. The way he has handled a few personalities as well. Uh, Again, I I don't think I, re- I I can really analyze I can really analyze Mitzel on a psychological aspect, but surely he's the one that brought Doi into the team. Uh, I don't know I don't know how he's going to go forward with this. Uh, I I think we're definitely going to see him again. Uh, I think Pape Abusise and Dusenu Bar finished in, ter- uh, in the way in terms of how uh, Mitzel sees it. He would have preferred maybe to see them go in January. I mean, if he had still, if he had still had faith in Cisse and Ba, we would have seen them a lot more. Uh, we'd have seen them more than Rezos, because Rezos has been a bit of a liability in terms of his fitness. I'm not so sure they're part of his plans going forward. But yeah. let's not forget that he likes uh, Papastatopoulos and Doi as the centre back pairing. But still, like Cisse and Ba 
are low uh, are lower down the pecking order compared to Retsos. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, and it's uh, the the door situation sparks off. Look at like the kind of the difference in opinion. Uh, I've been putting up some of the posts that people have had with uh, about Ndoy and in relation to Cisse and Ba, and it's just a very um, it's a ve- it's just a very interesting thing. I think, but really going back to the initial question from Roman, I think it is a little bit of both because, as we all know, there was the situation with Cisse and the fans, and I I I think that we would be um, a little bit naive to think that that didn't play some role in what's been going on. It's unfortunate because I think Cissé has done so much for the club. A lot of people bring up some of the bad games Cissé has had, his uh, brain farts that he's also had, the mistakes that he's made. Usain Uba, as Lambro has brought up you know, multiple times, is a liability on the field. And as far as I'm concerned, I agree. Um, he's too much. It's too much for me. I don't think we've tried. I think Usain Uba is a head case, and I don't think at this point uh, I think he is a liability on the field. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. it's 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 a bad situation when you're worried about this player doing something like getting sent off, and you have to worry about it all the time. So I think if um, if we're comparing like maybe what was done, there was a comment that I threw up also that talked about Cisse has been benched for less than what Doy's done. Doy's had a string of not so good games. I agree with that, but there's a difference in in potential here, right? There's a difference in the ceiling, and Doy has so much room. He's 19 years old, man. Come on. He's got so much room to grow, which versus where Cisse has matured as a player, um, in my opinion. So not that that's a bad thing. I don't necessarily think uh, Cisse is uh, is a bad guy. I think he's a lovely guy. We've heard nothing but amazing things about his character. Costa had the chance to meet him. Uh, lovely and guy. He's talked about that. Lovely guy. Even Martial, Martial de Boe, our, our French correspondent that you guys have seen on the show many times. Uh, he's also brought up the same things. He says he's a lovely guy. So uh, I think he's a he's a he's a great guy. And it's just unfortunate the situation that's here. It it, it is what it is. Unfortunately. He also had a tragic event uh, this summer when his nephew sad, suddenly died. Uh, we cannot underestimate that fact. To be honest with you, when I heard about Sergi Canos' sudden loss, I was thinking to myself, you know, that could really affect him. He scored that goal today. He had a wonderful performance, scored his first goal in only his second appearance just a few days after his mother died. And he also won that penalty that James Rodriguez converted. We cannot underestimate personal problems. I mean, it was personal problems that destroyed Adriano's incredibly promising career. He went from the absolute top to the bottom. He, that guy could have won at least one Ballon d'Or, so we cannot underestimate uh, those things. Yeah, and you, you brought it up already, Costa, so I think we should talk. This this player deserves uh, a quick segment on him, and that's Sergi Canos. He, two goal contributions today. I, I know some people, it, it's not that he had a direct assist, but he drew the penalty that, of course, James ended up scoring. Plus, he had that the first goal himself. And you love to see that. I mean, he said he's said he just literally just came back from grieving over the passing of his mother. And of course, you brought up how fragile of a situation. I mean, these football players, yeah, sure, they're professionals. They get paid to play the game. They're they're paid to do this. But it doesn't matter what profession you have. You lose your mother. You lose a family member, but let alone your mother. That is very difficult. And and for for many players that that would have been enough to see them into maybe the abyss in terms of playing ability for at least a couple of weeks. But 
Sergi Canos came to play today. He dedicated that goal to his mom. That's incredible mental fortitude for me. I mean, incredible stuff. Everybody told us, Brentford fans, uh, the journalist, uh, the gentleman Dan, that you and Costa spoke to. Dan Long, yes. Check the episode, guys. Uh, He said the same thing. He said, you know, the, the guy's passion on the field, which you saw in spades today, the guy runs nonstop, makes you fall in love with him. We talked about kind of comparing him to David Fuster. And mm-hmm. in that respect, he is the same. And that finish was that too. I mean, nothing crazy, nothing super fancy. Just this guy, this guy literally just just kept going. It's his will. He just kept running, kept moving. And he did that from the first minute he was on the field, just nonstop movement. And that's the type of player. we. I talked about it in the deep dive. If you guys want to see more about the player, maybe what he can offer Libyakos, go check out the scouting report, um, the, the deep dive for Sergicanos. There'll be a little bit more detail about what you can and can't expect from him. But I, I think I said that he's a fighter, and I think he can contribute. And here we go. We already have our first contribution, only his second appearance with the team so far. So uh, he probably does need a little more time to gel with the system. But hey, you know what? Great, great, great. Absolutely. We'll absolutely. Debut Incredible performance today from uh, Sergi Canos. Uh, he did say in his post-match interview that he got a lot of support from his family. He was even told by his family, not only are you going to play, you're also going to score a goal. And he did. And he technically created an assist because, you know, winning the penalty is kind of an assist. Uh, also. Um, I mean, his contribution at Brentford, guys, the guy's an icon. The guy's a Brentford icon. Uh, for those who, uh, who got to see it, when Ivan Tony scored his equalizer against Arsenal, he picked a jersey uh, from, the, uh, from the bench that said that, that, that expressed support for Sergi Canos and his family. They still love him. The fans, the players, the yeah. club. The guy has left his mark there, and it's not easy to leave your mark in an English team. doesn't matter if it's a Premier League or a Championship team or a non-league team. It's not easy to win over the English fans. And the Canos has done with wonderful performances and, more importantly, his character. Uh, absolutely wonderful from uh, from Canos today. Like you said, the, the runs, the passion, the character definitely gives us uh, glimpses of uh, David Fuster. I do... Hope he keeps it up. And if he keeps it up, I'd love to see him staying at, uh, at Olympiacos. As a Premier League correspondent, I can tell you that it's hard to imagine him going back to Brentford based on his goodbye, goodbye message to the fans. It did seem like he feels like the chapter at Brentford is over, like he's not planning to go back. Uh, they got an they got a, an option to extend his contract for one more year. That's why it's a loan deal at Olympiacos. Let's see how he, he does. I mean, he's going to have plenty of opportunities now with the most crucial uh, pe- uh, playoffs in Greek football history coming up. Absolutely. And that comment from Manos G7 that I put up, what system? There's no system by Michel. You got me. <laughs> no, you did. Yeah. You got me there. What I, I should elaborate, you know, learning more with the players because that's really the big thing. Learning, learning your, from your teammates, like what they like to do, where they like to go with the ball, that kind of thing. More The, the more time he gets with them, the more he understands how they play, the, the better that cohesion, that team cohesion will be now Costa. i want to revisit uh because we've gone off on a couple tangents here uh away from the the general match analysis and i want to return to our discussion about the formation the we saw it at ike this 4-4-2 you know 4 where you have the your deeper lying mids 
they're followed up by kind of like the wider sitting, not fully out of elevated wingers. And then you have your big little sitting in front. In this case, it's, you know, it was Hamas kind of playing that roaming role, uh, the, the 10, so to speak, with Bakambu in front. And it's funny because during the course of the games, it okay, it starts off as the 4-2-2, and you do see the shape. It's there once in a while. It comes back in a structure. But a lot of the time I noticed in the game, off the ball, it convalesced back into a 4-2-3-1. I don't know if that is intentional. Like with Corberon, we can say some of the, sh- the shapes were intentional. Like you always saw the 4-4, you saw the, the team go into the 4-3-3 on the defense. You saw the, you know, the 4-2-3-1 or the shift into a 4-1-4-1 or a 4-4-2. You saw some of those shifts under Corberon. I'm having a hard time, but I don't want to say believing. I'm having a hard time seeing the intent and from the, the players shifting into the sh- the four two three one shape. I'm just wondering: Do you think that's intentional? Like, the, do you think that shape is actually coming in because defensively it's supposed to be there, or is it is it just like a <laughs> is it just the players like that their natural instinct to go into those positions? Because it happens very irregularly, and I'm, I'm like when I say this, it's because I watched the Ike game on replay while with the stats in front of me, and I, for the life of me, could not figure out at what point the four-two-three-one was supposed to come into play because it would materialize at different times, and then the four-two-two-two would, would that was again, it was all over the place. It ended up being like a hodgepodge of uh of bodies in the field kind of coalescing back into some structure does that's do you do you think this is this is uh on purpose well i mean it's starting like sometimes it kind of starts to feel like mike bassett england manager here in terms of the formations that are being chosen you know when mike bassett would try and put up those crazy formation as an england manager trying to impress people and I'm not sure what to make of the fact that uh, of a manager that just won't choose a formation, because surely it depends on um, on uh, it depends on the game. You know, some games you have to be more uh, defensive, other games you have to be more attacking. Some games you have to be more conservative in midfield. Uh, but then again, you you look at you know team great teams that have won titles like Leicester. They would not stop using the four four two in 2016. You would look at. Antonio Conte's teams with a 3-4-3 slash 3-4-2-1 formation. You look at Real Madrid that have been using a 4-3-3 formation since God, since a, for a decade, for, for a decade now. Uh, I'm not so sure. What do you think, Ad, in terms of uh, formation? Should a manager have this one formation to go to, or should they be able to dabble in terms of uh, uh, depending on what uh, I, uh, in, depending on the depending on the ma- on each game's uh, demands? Look, uh, I'm forgetting now what coach said it. I want to say, I, I almost want to say it was um, uh, Gasperini, but mm-hmm. I think I'm wrong. I'll have to, I'll have to look it up to check. At Atalanta. Uh, right, exactly. And he said, it was either him or whoever the coach was. I'll find the quote and I'll, I'll tell you guys who said it um, as we're talking here. But the quote was that in modern football, there really aren't formations anymore there's just spaces and counterattacks or attacks counterattacks based on the spaces you see um and he brought that up about modern 
football. So I do believe that in some in some ways, but then you see you have coaches like Corbaran where the, it was visible, the shapes were visible, the intent was visible, and like there's things about Michel's system or lack thereof, things that are deliberate, like the press. We can tell when the press is in and not in effect. I mean, you guys, we saw it with Balk, we saw it with Ike, right? Both those games we started, the press was deep. And yes, some of it had to do with because of the fact that we couldn't keep control. We were shocked by the opponent's press and there was no game plan to counter that. But it is deliberate when we are on the high press. And when I what I mean it's deliberate is watch when, when one of our players is running to the ball and then look at the players around him. I always tell this to everybody in the audience. Do your best. And I know sometimes it's hard to remember because you're emotionally watching the games. So you're just kind of watching where the ball's moving. But the best thing you can do, especially if you watch these games on replay, it's easier to do it when you watch it on replay because you don't have the emotion bothering you. It's to watch everybody around where the ball's going. You watch everybody. Do See what they're doing when the ball is there when the ball's with somebody else or with the opponent, what is our team doing? And our press on that end is, it it seems deliberate. There is always a player moving to where the, the open space is. There's, when somebody's going to the ball, there's somebody usually moving to close things down. It could be maybe in a way, I, I could see the argument that that's, that's instinctual. There are players that do that, but not every player has an inclination for the press or a full court press in that respect. So the fact that there is organization there leads me to believe that there is, that is deliberate, but I don't, I don't, it's, it's just like his, his tactics everywhere else. I, I can't, I don't see it today. Today it, it did seem like the way the wings were overlapping, at least on the right side, uh, it, it seemed it's we seem to see a similar pattern of ball movement there, but at the same time, I don't know if that's just because it's Rodine and that's what he does. So the ball's being played because of Rodine, because we don't see that on the left hand side. We didn't really see it with Ramon today. Uh, it, it just leads me to believe that to continue to believe what we were what we were saying before. We've had people tell us former players of Michel's. Um, uh, and uh, other players that that were new of him, things like that, that the same thing. They, a lot of them said he's a great motivator, not a tactician. But then at the same time, there are players that said the opposite, players that very much liked Michel said, no, 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 he's a great tactician. You know what I mean? So all of this that we see is that it just leads me to believe that that's what he is, a great motivator. And it leads me more and more to believe that in that season he was with us, the great success that we had, that maybe Victor Sanchez was the genius. Maybe he was the genius behind Michel, who was the motivator, the guy that the players would go to. Um, you know what I mean? To for an arm on the shoulder, for some maybe to work on. Because the guy is a legend. He played for Real Madrid. Michel was a was a great player. So, <sighs> but Victor got his chance. He did get his big chance, his big break when he replaced Marco Silva. And it was a total disaster by being eliminated from uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv. You, you can't just be a tactician alone, man. Look, I mean, you could argue that that maybe was the reason why Corbaron didn't succeed here. He did well at Huddersfield. He's doing great for West Brom. Premier League teams want him to coach their Leeds teams. Wanted him. It's a different, it's a much, much different 
proposition for Libyakos because unfortunately a coach a coach like Gorberan despite the fact that I loved him when we brought him in I thought this guy I really was excited I mean yeah. you guys saw it I was pumped about this guy tactically I thought that this guy was I I still believe that Gorberan is a tactical genius when it comes to yep. to football I still believe that but unfortunately what was needed at Libyakos at the time of his hiring if Olibiakos was willing to stick with him and say the season's fucked, we're, we're going for next season, pardon my French, then yeah. But they weren't. They wanted somebody with a quick fix, and that wasn't the right guy. He is a tactician, not necessarily a motivator. And we need, we unfortunately, we needed a motivator. The only one we could get that was a motivator was Michel. Probably the only coach we could get at the time was Michel. And that's what we have here. So anyway, bringing it back to the points that we were discussing all of this. I think the starting lineup is deliberate. I think the shape that he's going for has purpose, but when you see as things develop during the game, I don't believe he has any control over what's happening. And I don't believe that the game plan is manifested in what the players see. I just believe it's the players doing playing, playing off of each other, playing here and there. That's what it seems like to me. And even in a game like this, in the in the 6-1 victory, that's what I see here regarding at least the formation and the um the tactics. It does it does seem to look like it. Uh, like I said, like the fact alone that the formation changes all the time, uh, I kind of feel like Mitchell is trying to fit all of his stars on the same lineup. And we saw that it was very evident with Fortunis and James and Biel and Huang and all of them in there. Yeah. <laughs> It seems like there's no. It does. It doesn't look like there's a concrete plan in there, and the fact alone that we don't see character, we don't see grit in there, especially in the big matches. Like I was looking at some numbers before the before we went live, and uh, Bakambu is uh, is Olympiakos's top scorer uh, right now, and uh, he is the second uh, top scorer in uh, in Greece right now. Uh, let, let me get those numbers up. So Bakambu is the second top scorer in Greece right now with 10 goals in 18 matches. Behind joint, joint top scorers Nikos Karelis of Panetolikos and Levi Garcia with 11. Just one goal behind the leaders. Uh, but he never scored a goal in the big matches. Then you look at the assist. James Rodriguez is leading the way. Uh, alongside Sergio Araujo Vaik with seven assists in 17 matches. But we don't see that in the big match situations. We see it against the small teams. Something's missing there for some reason when it comes to the big matches. Those players come in, those players with the big characters, the big careers, they come in almost tooth, completely toothless and like they're thinking to themselves, let's not get embarrassed instead of let's go out there and kick some ass. Uh, yeah, but another thing, Costa, you have two teams in Bauk and Ike that have tacticians and have very clear game plans, very clear systems. And that's also has a lot to do with it. If you if you're somebody that's just off the cuff and hoping that you can motivate your guys because they're more talented to win at when you're at the top level, it doesn't always work that way. And unfortunately, this Olympiacos, in the grand scheme of things as a team, is not like some of the teams of the last few years. If we were still on that level, this would be a different story. But we're not. And 
our quality as a team, I don't want to, the individual player quality is still the best in, in Greece, but it's not enough when you actually have two guys that know what they're doing. Luchescu and, and Almeida have different, what's the word I'm looking for? Personas. They have different strategies and different characteristics of them. But both of them have have teams that they've assembled and have come together that have come with, uh, at the very least, they, they can make a good game plan. They're able to psychologically motivate them very well on top of that. And that, is, to me at least, is a, a very, uh, very huge problem for us when we come against them. Now, Costa, before we go into the man of the match and the coach's grade, I kind of I just wanted to bring up, we did a poll about Costa, uh, Costa's Fortunis and on Instagram, and we were saying, you know, we asked if people thought that Costa didn't deserve, or if he would deserve more minutes uh, ahead of today's game, thinking that maybe, you know, he should be playing. And 99% of fans <laughs> said he deserves more time. There was a very small 1%. Maybe they just thought they were being edgy trendsetters. But... 1% thought that Costa did not deserve more playing time. Well, I think maybe he proved them wrong today. I know it's kind of off topic, but I almost forgot about it before, and I wanted to just bring that up before we went into we, uh, the man of the match coaches grade. Uh, guys, before we hit our man of the match coaches grade, first of all, vote on the poll. The poll's been going for a while. Vote for your man of the match. If you don't see the choice that you like, just type in your man of the match in the comments, just make sure you, you put man of the match so we know that the comment is about that. Um, but also, uh, over few, a couple hundred of you guys have already tuned into the show and have been interacting with us. So those of you that are tuning in that don't follow the show already, hit the like button, subscribe, help us grow the red and white community. We have a lot of stuff coming. Uh, we actually have some stuff that we are going to be putting out to you guys, to the audience for future content for Gate 7 International. We get a lot of DMs from you guys about um, about how to support us. I mean, and this really means so much. You guys, there are you guys that donate in shows, which is hugely appreciated. We've told you what that's going to. It's going to helping us make the show better. It's going into making, you know, merch lines that we can have you guys buy so people can rep Gate 7 International. That is happening better content, all this other stuff. So we have some things that we're going to be putting out to the audience over our socials to get your feedback on. We've discussed in the past about Patreon. It's not something we're ready to pull the trigger on yet, but it is something that we're considering. So we're we're discussing different types of content we could offer you, and we want your feedback because if we're going to do that for those of you that want to support us, that we want to make sure it's something that you feel like you're getting value from. So help us continue to grow, like, and subscribe, and then don't forget to check out socials and engage with us because we need your feedback to make the show better. Now, Costa, moving on, let's let's get to it because we are about an hour in. It's the perfect time to start to close up with Man of the Matching Coaches grade. And of course, afterwards, I'll tell you what the comments has going on for us. Uh, uh, yes, we sparked off the debate about the 10s. I love when people get on the debate about Costas Fortunis and Pep Biel and James Rodriguez. It's it's fantastic. And everybody usually has for you, everybody usually has some pretty good uh, insight onto it, whether I agree with it or not. Anyway, Costa, would you like to start off with Man of the Match? Coach Absolutely. I, mean, I, think I think it's the same. I think when it comes both. to man of the match, like it has to be James Rodriguez, two goals, one assist. The guy is a critical member of this team. 
Uh, he was missed uh, against Ajax. Uh, he's going to play a big part in the playoffs coming forward. He's definitely the kind of player you don't want him to get injured. Uh, he's just critical. He's just, he delivers. He he does, he racks up the goals. He racks up the assists. He he has been having a talismanic season at Olympiacos. Absolutely necessary. I do hope the contract negotiations are continuing uh, and, and that's why it's really, really critical that Olympiacos at least try, at least push themselves for at least second place because I cannot see players like James Rodriguez, Juan Inbom, and Pepiel wanting to stay at Olympiacos if they miss out on Champions League qualification. Plus, there's the financial aspect in this. But anyways, when it comes to this game, absolutely, James Rodriguez. Uh, shall I go with co- Coach's grade or are we going to wait for that? Go Coach's grade. Do it. Coach is great. That's an A for Mitzel. The only reason I'm giving him an A is because he didn't give, uh, he didn't throw in Diadia Samaseku to regain some confidence, kick the ball around, uh, do some, uh, do, do do his lovely things, lovely balls, lovely crosses, lovely movement, lovely marking, lovely positioning that we're used to. One of the most underrated players uh, from Olympiacos this season. I wanted him to come on and regain some confidence after what happened at Ike. I. Hey, I think that's actually a really good shout. Uh, my man of the match is going to be the same. I think James Rodriguez uh, was a big shout. Uh, I was talking about SofaScore earlier. SofaScore gave him a 9 out of 10 mm-hmm. for his nice. performance today. Um, they actually only, they don't have him with an assist, though. They only have two goals. No assists for James. Well, yeah, because there was a, a deflection in the whole uh, right. Cano situation. Yeah, so... Um, I'm definitely going to go with James Rodriguez as well as my man of the match. Uh, I am going to give a, a shout out to Costas Fortunis, though. He did get two assists, uh, which I don't think is anything to shake a stick at. So a little shout to him. Um, Bakambu had a, a lovely goal as well. So I think uh, Sergi Canos also, like I said, with the two goal contributions, another shout, I think. Um, guys, don't forget to vote uh, real quick. It'll give you about 10 more seconds uh, until we tell you who the fans voted for. But coach's grade, I, you know, I thought in the beginning, I thought the starting lineup was interesting. I was happy to see Ramon get the start. I was very curious about the center backs. I thought we, you know, there was all the talk in the news about Ba maybe making a start. And then I guess that changed up because we saw Retzos. Unfortunately, Retzos, I, the more I watch him play, the more and more I don't believe this guy is, you know, somebody that should really be in the plans long term. Uh, which stinks because I love the kid. I always hope that we're going to see old Retzos back. But mm. anyway, it is what it is. Uh, and, you know, he you have to say Michel got the subs right. I mean, he made the, the sub with Ganos. The guy gets two goal contributions. He brings uh, Matthew Valbuena on as a sub. That guy gets a goal too. So what are you What are you going to <laughs> What are you going to do, man? What are you going to do? So uh, I think A, A, A minus. Um, a minus only because I agree with you there regarding Samaseku. I think that he deserved a chance maybe to get to get some more minutes in, uh, maybe a little bit of redemption. But uh, that's that's how I see it. And now with the the voting is done, everybody. So I'm going to read who the fans voted. So the man of the match for the fans, 52% of you have voted for James Rodriguez. Coming in second, runner-up, close runner-up. Well, not close runner-up. I should say it's 20% is Costas Fortunis, the next closest runner-up, that is. And then Sergi Canos coming in at 15% with Rodine at 12%. If you thought anybody else was deserving of a man of the match, 
go ahead and type it in. Let us know who you think should be man of the match. Costa, I don't know if we got anything else. I see some comments about Pep Biel here. Uh, actually, a lot of other comments about Pep. Um, some people saying Pep Biel is mentally tired. Uh, that's what they said about him, basically. But I'm not sure that's exactly the case. There's definitely like you you don't you don't hobble off Opaparina telling the coach, "Hey, I'm mentally tired. I don't think I'm going to do yeah. this anymore." There was a knock as well. You could see like his eyes; he was teary eyed. Uh, I don't think it doesn't really sound like something serious. I think we're going to see him at La Mia. Um, really quickly, too, there's a comment here from SFX Valley. You guys sent an email to Libyakos FC to inform them about Socio's opportunity for our fans to own a Libyakos tokens. Um, SFX, I have no idea what you're referring to here. If you could either send us a DM uh, on either Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, whichever you use, or you can send us an email. Uh, we all speak, read, and write Greek. So if it's easier for you to write that in Greek, I don't know if you're Greek speaking or not. We also speak Spanish and French, whichever language of those that you prefer, we can respond to. You. Explain to us what you're talking to here because I'm not sure what you're referring to. Then uh, there's some uh, Aris Galamatis. Biel is suffering from the same mistakes that shipped off Zinkernagel. I think that's pretty accurate, to be honest with you. And I talked about this. Some people disagree with me. I've had some... Uh, conversations with people on social media about it. There's a lot of people that think, oh, okay, yeah, he's being out of position, but he should be producing more than he is. And I brought up in the deep dive, I talked about this, that if Alibiakos makes the mistake of playing Pepiel out of position, out on the wings, we're going to see the same thing that they saw, which was not much. Yeah. They saw the best from him playing behind the striker as a false nine. So... We have fallen into that mistake. Whether 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 that mistake is out of necessity because of the pieces that we have, I don't know. I think it's a combination of a couple of things. And again, there's people on socials that agree with this that we've discussed about. He clearly wants to keep Hamas happy. That fit that he threw when he got subbed off a few weeks ago told me a lot. And what happened after that also told me a lot. And it's that the club's trying to keep him happy. That's one. Two, with Pep BL, we paid six million for him. It was six, six and a half million. We paid a lot of money for this guy. So we want him on the field. And then you have Cosas Fortunis, who, if we take his contributions per 90 minutes, he's one of the best contributors on the team. If you look at the data, again, guys, check out our socials. You can check out Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. The data's up there. I did a side-by-side -side comparison of James and Fortunis. Look how close the data is. James is best in class, as, mm. we, as it were, in many categories. Costa isn't best in class in as many, but Costa has a higher average. Uh, he's in a higher percentile from other things that may go creation-wise, especially that James is not. So very interesting stats for somebody who James is, we all can say, is in a league of his own, right, Costa? In Greece, he's, Absolutely. he's, he's his own Absolutely. class. So Absolutely. for Costa to have stats that are reflective of James Rodriguez, and we see it on the field too, that, that's, that tells me something. Not that I believe James is bad, but that Costas Fortunis has a talent that needs to be used more. But then the question becomes, and this always brings us back to the, the discussion about the 10s. We have three 10s. How do we get them all on the field? 
Can we get them all on the field? What's the best way? What's the best way for us to get the best use out of those tens? Well, this goes back to this to, to the horrible summer preparations where you had three managers coming in with three different styles. They put in a, a, a team based on what they wanted, and at the end, you had the third manager ending up having a a team created by three different managers. That's how the whole tens thing tens thing happened. It's going to be a very difficult summer for Olympiacos. There's definitely going to be a new manager who's going to have a lot of work to do. I do hope Olympiacos are already looking for a new manager. Uh, there's no way. I really hope there's no way they're thinking we're going with Mitzel next season if he does this or that or the other. Uh, personally, uh, I'm going to say this. Let's say Olympiacos beat Lamia. If he doesn't beat Panathinaikos, I think he's done. Personally, I think like this is it. Going to the playoffs, I think people are going to start uh, bringing out uh, white flags, waving them, saying title's gone. Second place is a maybe. We're bringing someone in for damage control right now, making sure we don't completely we don't get completely humiliated. Because there's nothing with when it comes to the small teams. Yes, there's a lot we see from this team, but when it comes to the big teams, there's zero. Olympiacos were lucky not to lose to Ike at Karaiskaki. Olympiacos were lucky not to lose to Pauk in Tuba. And they got exactly what they deserved at Karaiskaki and Tuba at the Opapa Arena. And it makes you think how what's going to happen in the next in, in the most crucial, most demanding, most difficult playoffs in Greek football history. There's zero, there's nothing in this team, in the big teams, in the, in the big games. Yeah. I don't know. Did ne- you see anything at Opap? I, honestly, man, after we already were two goals down, I thought I saw like, oh yeah, see, this is how we should have played from the get-go. Not seeding, seeding, seeding territory to them just to get run all over. I thought that, you know, there were things I liked after we, of course, went two goals down. It's like, okay, we can play. There is a game plan that at least can get us somewhere. And, but, uh, I mean, it, it's I'm not going to beat a dead horse um, with that at the very least. But the the issue with the the tens the three tens it's not clearing up anytime soon and i know a lot of people are like well it's going to be easy because costas fortunis is gone after the summer we haven't renewed him guys his contract got cut into another two years so this summer his 1.7 million was cut into two so he has one more year with us pepe else on a long-term deal really the only one that is not certain to stay which i doubt and i don't think he is Depending on the offers he gets, he'll surely get an offer from Turkey for big bucks. And that's James Rodriguez. Yeah. James Rodriguez was here on a one plus one deal, which by the way, part of the plus one is him. It's not just us. It's not a one plus one just for us. It's also him. So he's on a one plus one, but he hasn't activated the plus one yet. So we'll, uh, yeah, yeah, but we'll something something's going to have to give though with uh, with the three tens. Olympiacos cannot go another season with right. three tens and trying how no. to fit them. I feel if, I think if Pepiel leaves, that's going to be one of the biggest missed opportunities Olympiacos have had in the history of their existence. When it comes to Costas Fortunes, we got to figure out like how much more time does he have in his career to put together big performance. And three, I think maybe Hamas is going to make the decision for everyone. He's going to decide to go because he's not renewing. He doesn't seem too keen. It does seem that, I don't know. We definitely, we're definitely going to need answers in terms of the three tens, especially if Zinker Nigel comes back. Yeah. And then look, I, I, I don't have the, sp- I don't have the headspace to, to answer that question or even begin to think about it. All I can say is at least for the focus of the three tens that we have now and using them now, I think probably the most pragmatic use of that 
is to start with James in the games and 60th minute bring Costa on to finish the games out. That's probably the most pragmatic way to use them. Um, you know what I mean? Because you're going to keep James happy. Hopefully, maybe he'd be happy just playing 60 minutes or so, and then Costa comes on for the rest. Maybe that's the most pragmatic. What, I does, don't know. Biel, what does Biel play? A wing. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't, you can't, you can't. I can only bench. do one problem at a time, Costa. I can't, I can't do Cause, all. Because you can't bench Bakambu. Because, like I said, he's he's Olympiacos' top scorer. You can't bench him, which also make, makes it makes us all understand you can't play El Arabi ahead of Bakambu anymore. That's insane now. To bench yeah. your top scorer. Yeah, no, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. All I know is, is it's getting late, and we're not going to answer those questions now. So, yeah, man, do you have any? No, do you no, have man, anything we're else? Up. We're wrapping it up, Al. We're wrapping wrapping it up. Sounds good to me. Well, guys, uh, as always, if you enjoyed what you saw here, don't forget to hit that like button and subscribe if you don't all do so already. A lot more stuff coming up. Pay attention to socials. We need your feedback especially those of you that have asked, those of you that have DM'd, ask me how you can support us. Uh, if we do pursue Patreon, we want to know what you guys want, what you guys would like. That will help us. It'll go a long way in determining what we do in the direction we take the show. So keep an eye on socials. Uh, and any feedback you have, of course, guys, please DM us, email us, whatever you're comfortable with. Uh, we do all of this, the data that we do, all of the new stuff that comes out. It's usually based off of your recommendations, what you guys want to see. That's what we do. This is a channel by fans for fans. So what you guys want is what we want. So let us know. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, especially those of you that made it this far. This is Gate 7 International by the fans for the fans. We have a game coming up next week. We have Champions League coming up next week as well. So until then, we'll see you. Oh, Cuba, Jesus, Ramé,